This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Gone are the days when it was easy to ride. Singing way, hey, ho. But the years haven't withered my joy and my pride. Singing way, hey, ho. I've never been much for the pistol or blade. Singing way, hey, ho. For the sun is my course and the sky is my trade. Singing way, hey, ho. My mother, she told me that life would be fine If you're free with the water, but savor the wine And to never be hurried, but always on time Singing way, hey, ho Singing way, hey, ho So, as you stand on the scaffold, looking out at the faces of everybody in town, he's here. There's only about four to five hundred people in Thornvale Township, and all of them are here. <laughs> so it's it's a sea of faces of everyone. I have a question. Yes. There's only like five of us up here, right? Yes. Well, six technically. Is that that's normal? It. Yeah, that's it. It's normal for them to only pick like six people. Yeah. What happens is. After six months, you have the opportunity to do your, your exams. Hmm. And not everyone finishes their exams. Like, no, right. They only take people who are ready to become adepts. Hmm. Which means, obviously, either people have moved out of... Like, they have six openings. Some years, they only take one person. Hmm. Some years, they may not take anybody. And I guess that the six of us being called up doesn't mean that All any of, of us are going to get it. Obviously. Okay. The rumor is is that Ard has been up for Apprentice twice, and he didn't make it. Oh, man. Bummer. Well, yeah. bummer. well get your, get your stuff bummer. together, Ard. You guys are standing on the scaffold. Fathena has just brought you all up. As you are sitting there, uh, standing there in front of everyone, Fathena looks out at the crowd and goes, We will now have the questioning of the hopefuls. And she turns to all of you, all six of you. You all sit there and look up at this woman who is almost seven feet tall. She's so big. And broad, but beautiful. She looks like a force of nature as she stands there in front of you. She goes, now, we're going to ask you the following questions. I want all of you to answer in stride, okay? Okay. Okay. First, what is your name? Who is your family? How long have you been a novice? What was your favorite duty while you were a novice? And why do you want to become a Swiftwell courier? Do I need to repeat that for anyone? Yes. Yes. Like ten times. Okay. All right. <laughs> she smiles. She smiles and go, I will ask everyone every time. Does that sound all right? And everyone nods. Yeah. yeah. She goes over to Bertina. Bertina. Is that correct? She's like, Yes. Is that your name? That is my name. Who is your family? Uh, we're the Marinos. Uh, we, uh, we're, we're dock workers here in town. Uh, we live up close by the docks. Uh, we work a lot on the ship. Not like on the ships, but like with... Thank you. Thank you, Bertina. Thank you. How long have you been a novice? Four years. What was your favorite duty while you were a novice? Oh, goodness. Um, I... Oh, goodness. What, what, what was my favorite? I, I loved... I loved, oh, I loved spending lunch with all of my friends um, when we would, we'd all sit down and we'd have like lunch and we'd like bring our, all our little lunches together. And it was so much fun. And I loved that part. Okay. And why do you want to become a Swiftwell courier? Well, well, um, my, uh, it runs in my family. We have a couple of people that were couriers, but we haven't been couriers in a while. And I really just want to, want to help. And, and deliver the mail. It sounds like a lot of fun. 
Thank you. Otis. And Otis kind of looks up. Yeah. Uh, um, yes, my name is Otis. Who's your family? Uh, the Rathvins were from across the river in, in old, old Thornvale. Um, we kind of live over there. We're not like terribly rich or anything like that. Uh, we, we hire ourselves out as hands in the farms. Yeah, that's, that's my family. How long have you been a novice, Otis? A year and a half. What's your favorite duty while you were a novice? I loved running. I just loved running as fast as I could. I, I would run everywhere, all over town. It was so much fun. Good. Why do you want to become a swift wheel courier? To keep running. I, I want to go fast. I want to go as fast as I possibly can. I want to see how fast that is. Excellent. June. Uh, yes. Is that your name? Uh, yes. Who's your family? My family are the Hymnals. We run the, the decorative gourd in and food hall in Thornville Township. Okay. How long have you been a novice? Three years. Three years. And what was your favorite duty as a novice? Taking care of the birds. Okay. Why do you want to become a swiftwell courier? To be close to the birds. People kind of chuckle at that. There's a chuckle that runs through the... She, she turns a little red. But she, but she doesn't look away. She keeps the eye contact with the postmaster general. Athena smiles and she leans forward a little bit and goes, I think that's a good reason. Thank you. Cecilia Whitwick? Yes. That is your name? Sure is. Who is your family? My family are the Whitwicks, Candlemakers, great-grandmother, one of the greatest explorers that ever lived. Uh, you can see out of the corner of your eye, your father, like, oh, he face palms <laughs> and sighs. How long have you been a novice? Two years. What was your favorite duty while you were a novice? Um, oh God, I don't really have a favorite. They are duties after all. There's, there's a, another chuckle that kind of runs through the crowd. Um, but if I have to pick one, uh, hopscotch, game time, I don't know. There's a genuine <laughs> answer. Like People kind of laugh. You look over and you can hear um, a quill scratching. And everyone kind of out of the periphery can see that all of your answers are being written down by Coriander in the book. Oh, jeez. Oh, 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 God. <laughs> Why do you want to become a Swiftwell Courier? So that I can see the entire world. There's a... Like a, like a little gasp in the crowd. And we hear an audible, oh, from your mother at the back. <laughs> she stands, Cecilia stands like a statue. Like doesn't even acknowledge anything, just keeps her eyes completely forward. Perfect. So then it goes over to the next person. Bootstrap. Is that your name? Yes, just Bootstrap. Who is your family? My family is um Complicated. Really, it's whoever's in the room where I put my boots down. See, I, I've worked with a lot of amazing people, sailed with them. And I put a dagger through somebody that tried them. But as far as we concern, my family is who I choose. How long have you been a novice? Yeah, a couple months. What was your favorite duty as a novice? I mean, I liked all of it. Except for <laughs> having to keep tabs on Lenny. That kid would sleep in a metal box if it meant he wasn't on cleaning duty. I don't know. I guess uh, I like delivering the messages around town. I get to see all these places that I, I mean, I never would have dreamed. And why do you want to become a Swiftwell Courier? I belong in the air. I need to see every inch of that open sky. But if you don't own your own ship, it's hard to find yourself in a line of work that lets you do that without having to look over your shoulder all the time. So, I'm hoping that working with Swiftwell will help me do more one and less of the other. Kieran Rao? Uh, yeah, that's me. Is that your name? Yes, that's my name. Who is your family? Amira Rao is my family. How long have you been a novice? Uh, out of character, like a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh... About seven months. Very good. Uh, there's a there's a, not an audible gasp, but people like kind of murmur like, "Oh, it was a short time." <laughs> uh, oh. 
What was your favorite duty as a novice? Is there, like, run me through some of the duties a novice might have, just high level. Novices do anything. They run messages. Uh, okay. Some of the older ones will actually fly birds to deliver messages to other places in the valley or outside of it. Uh, I gotcha. But literally anyone can come up to a novice and be like, hey, novice, are you busy right now? And they'd be like, um, uh, would you like to sweep my porch? Thank you so much. Okay. Um, my favorite thing was helping people. She smiles at that. And why do you want to become a Swiftwell courier? Kieran kind of, like, looks at the crowd and glances at their mom. She gives a big thumbs up. Um, and I think under their hair, their ears probably go a little red. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not, it's more of a flush instead of a blush. And their expression gets a little bit more determined. I want to find my dad. June openly turns and looks at Kieran in surprise. There is a, a murmur that runs through the crowd. Um, you look at your mother and you see her face kind of fall when that ha- when you say that. Yeah, I think Kieran's shoulders kind of slump a little bit when her face falls. Fathina looks at Kieran and goes, that's a good answer. Thank you so much, novices, for your answers. We will now have the Audrin captains come forth and offer their questions to you. Please answer their questions to the best of your ability, one at a time. The music changes. (laughs) (laughs) It goes from, like, ominous cutscene music to, this is maybe a boss fight music? (laughs) (laughs) The first one that walks up is Molden Foxkull, who is of the Black Audrin. They walk up, looking over everyone, and as they look over, they say, Hello, how are you children? Are you very good? That is not my question. Yeah, June June looks like she was about to raise her hand to clarify, but then she puts her hand down. He he raises the finger and goes, Oh, that's not my question. But... Astute of you to ask something. This is my question. I have, and he reaches over and picks up a jar from the stage. It's a large jar that has a cork on the top of it, but holes around the top. It has a wavy pattern. It looks very old. It's like terracotta. And there's an audible as he takes off the cork of it. I have within this jar a dangerous and poisonous creature. One bite will not kill you, but it will be incredibly painful. Will you put your hand in this jar? And he holds it out at the back, from the from back to front. So to you, Kieran. Uh, oh, no! <laughs> Kieran, as this jar comes in front of you, it's just darkness inside, and you can hear a... A skittering inside of it. There is something oh. in this jar. Oh, man. Oh, I think Karen just goes on a face journey really quick. Because <laughs> <laughs> the skittering is off-putting, to say the least. But they don't know what it is. And I think that, more than anything else, is... Un- like intolerable. So I think Kieran kind of sniffs at the jar and then very trepidatiously sticks their hand inside and like feels around <laughs> Some, cautiously, something, carefully. Something moves past your fingers. <sighs> something something large uh, about the size of a snake, probably. <laughs> but it is uh, there's no it's, there's not scales on it. It feels segmented. There are spines on it <gasps> as it moves around, and it moves around your hand, and you feel many, many legs. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, as you do that, there. How long do, you, how long do you keep your hand in this jar? I, I don't move my hand until I can feel that the creature is not near me, near my hand. Ten seconds pass. And as 10 seconds pass, eventually, Molden goes, 
That's good enough. Thank you. I'll very slowly retract my hand. You wink. Uh, they wink at you and go, well done. Go to the next the next Karen one. Karen looks a little green around the gills. <laughs> goes to the next one. Goes to you, Bootstrap. Will you put your hand in this jar? Look, I've been served mind games before. And quite honestly, I've been outpacing all these other recruits for months now. If you need me to further prove myself through poison, pass. Interesting. <laughs> goes over to Cece. Cecilia Whitwick, will you put your hand in this jar? What happens if I don't? They shrug. <clears throat> Fine. And she, like, shoves her hand in there like she's gonna, like, as if she's trying to crush, like, like you know what I mean? Like, straight dunks her fist into this jar. <laughs> there is, there is an audible gasp. And you feel whatever is in this thrash around. It like moves back and forth. Uh, there is a prick on your on your oh, hand. Now she pulls it out immediately. and was like, "What the heck? There's like a gopher in there." <laughs> what? You look down at your hand, CC, and there is a little bit of blood and a small prick. Ow! Uh, in in your hand. Um, as you like hold up your hand, Molten reaches down and picks up the blood. Like, he, like, just wipes the blood off your hand and sniffs it. Gross. <laughs> Interesting. Yo, we're like male kids. Jesus. That's <laughs> he moves down to the next person. June Himmel, will you put your hand in this jar? June uh, is sweating, uh, but has watched both Kieran and Cece put their hands in. Saw that Kieran did not get bit. And saw that Cece did get bit, <laughs> uh, which was part of her question initially. Um, and she stares at the jar, at the darkness within it, and then looks up at Molden. Molden, her face as impassive as it can be, and she folds her hands in front of her while maintaining eye contact with Molden Foxskull and says, "No, I will not." Very well. Otis Rathfin, will you put your hand in this jar? No, I will not. Very well. Bettina Marino, no, I will not. All right, then. That's the end of my questioning, Postmaster General. June is now like, that was it? Damn it. Yeah, I really shouldn't have put my hand in the jar, is what she says to June. <laughs> CC. I think Karen raises their hand. Um, there's a moment where... Malden turns around and looks and goes, I don't usually take questions, but what is your question, Kieran? What was it? Malden smiles. Inside is a millipede that wraps itself up their arm <gasps> and then goes like around their neck like a scarf and then stays there and they pet it as they turn around and go back to their, their spot in line. Awful. Kieran shivers. <laughs> Awful. That's the June, worst. June leans over and goes, that thing bit you, Cece. The millipede is is spiny. It's got, Ugh. you know, lots and lots of legs, lots of segments. And you can't see the eyes or anything. It has no pincers or anything like that. Cece, as you look at your hand, you notice that it's already healing. Like, it isn't welling up with blood. And it doesn't hurt at all. Cece is not happy. <laughs> Cece is, like, very not pleased. Like, sees this and is like, that's great. Wow. It's healing. Do you know? Like, okay. Real, real, this is, this is, this is me not making a show of it. But, like, Cece says out loud, do you know how hard we work to be here? And you, you bit me with a little scorpion thing? To which Mulden turns around and you see, Cece, this did not bite you. You moved your hand inside, and one of the spines pricked you. It is not that it bit you. It was that you were forceful enough that it hurt you. Maybe next time, be a little kinder. Her shoulders drop, and she exhales, and is like... June's jaw drops a little bit, and just just flabbergasted. Fathina steps forward and goes, Next is the Grey Audrin. Wiltham not steps forward. 
and starts with Bertina and says the following. A cobbler makes a shoe that is too big for a child, but too small for an adult. It is too gaudy for a humble person and too plain for an ostentatious person. It is too uncomfortable for the comfortable and too soft for the hard. To what person in this wide world does this shoe eventually go to? There's a long pause. And Bettina goes, no one? Wiltham nods, goes over to Otis and says the exact same thing. Otis's answer is, uh, the, the person in between? Wiltham nods and goes to you, June. Uh, Would you like me to read it again? Please read it again. A cobbler makes a shoe that is too big for a child, but too small for an adult. It is too gaudy for a humble person and too plain for an ostentatious person. It is too uncomfortable for the comfortable and too soft for the hard. To what person in this wide world does this shoe eventually go to? June thinks about it, frowning. She's obviously thinking really hard about this. There are a lot of things that come to mind, and she fights with which one feels right. She she looks up and says, Well, unless there's another shoe to go with it, no one will wear it. So I guess it'll sit on the shelf until he makes another one that's just like it. They nod and move down to you, Cece. Uh, I don't know. Back to the cobbler because no one would take it. He's my hero. (laughs) Wiltham smiles. Wiltham smiles, nods, and moves down to bootstrap. A cobbler makes a shoe. (laughs) Look, I'm going to stop you right there because I already know the answer. Bootstrap knows footwear, and that cobbler made that shoe for that cobbler. All right? To his own specifications, the way he likes it. (laughs) Shoe game recognized shoe game. Next question. Wiltham goes to you. Kieran, do you want me to read it again? Do you want me to One read it again? One more time, please. Right. A cobbler makes a shoe that is too big for a child, but too small for an adult. It is too gaudy for a humble person and too plain for an ostentatious person. It is too uncomfortable for the comfortable and too soft for the hard. To what person in this wide world does the shoe eventually go to? It's too comfortable for... It is too uncomfortable for the comfortable person. Okay. I think Kieran thinks about it for a second. Uh, is the shoe for someone who only has one foot? Thank you for asking a question. No, it is not. You have two more. What? Kieran, you're so powerful. (laughs) I, out of character, had a very clever thought, but I don't know if it's going to work. Do it. Do it. Can you tell me who it goes to? Wilson smiles and says, I cannot. But good question. Oh, man, I get one more question. Ask for more questions. (laughs) The crowd laughs. The crowd laughs. Can you give me the riddle one more time? (laughs) A cobbler makes a shoe that is too big for a child, but too small for an adult. It is too gaudy for a humble person and too plain for an ostentatious person. It is too uncomfortable for the comfortable person and too soft for the hard person. To what person... In this wide world, does the shoe eventually go to? Is the shoe for the cobbler? Ha! Ha! I'm saying! (laughs) Wiltham nods and goes, That is a very good question. (laughs) What is your answer? I think the shoe is for the cobbler. Wiltham nods. That is the end of my questioning. Fathina steps forward. Next is the Red Audrin. We see Captain Silas Dennison stand up there, gruff, surly looking. He walks right up to Bettina and goes, answer me this, yes or no. Um, Bettina looks around, a little confused. 
Uh, no. He walks over to Otis. Yes or no? Yes. He nods. He goes over to you, June. Yes or no? June frowns, her mouth hanging open a little bit, and then she snaps her jaw shut and squares her shoulders and says, Yes! Very well. He moves down to you, Cece. Yes or no? Yes! He moves to Bootstrap. Yes or no? Yes. And finally he moves to you, Karen. Yes or no? Uh... How tall is this captain? He's about six foot two. Oh. He is. I think. He is, like I said, salt and pepper beard, scars on his face, broad shouldered. Uh, I think Karen kind of shrinks back. No. That's the end of my questioning. June, June audibly goes, seriously? Um, he stops and looks at you, June. She looks back. He narrows his eyes and then. Goes back to his place. June looks at Cece. Can you believe this? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Next up will be the yellow Audrin. Up comes Captain Alegria Canticle. She steps forward and to the crowd and not to you kids says, You hold in your hand a box that contains a year's worth of incredible luck. If you keep it closed, the person you care about most in the entire world will receive all the ill luck in the box. But if you open it, six people you do not know will have two months of bad luck. What do you do? Kiernan. Someone I know? Could it be me? It could be. I'll open the box. Cecilia. Yeah. What was the second option? CC answer? Yeah. So... I don't think Cece answered. I, I think that... Did you answer? Who, me? No. I asked you to answer. You said yes. Oh. You would open the box. Oh, yeah, I guess. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> June, will you open the box? If I open it, six people I do not know will get bad luck. But if I keep it closed, the person I care about most in this world will get the bad luck. Yes. For a year. Yes. The worst luck in the world. Sure, why not? I keep it closed. All right. She goes, bootstrap. You hold in your hand a box that contains a year's worth of incredibly ill luck. If you keep it closed, the person you care about most in the entire world will receive the ill luck in the box. But if you open it, six people you do not know will have two months of bad luck. What do you do? Life doles out ill luck on its own schedule whenever it wants. So I'm open that box. And those six people, if they get through it, will be better because of it. Interesting. That is all my questions. And Bertina and Otis go, but it's like, that is all of my questions. Oh. Hot dog. She turns around and walks away. Fathina stands up and goes, that is all for the Audrins. Now it is time for my question. June goes a little pale. <laughs> I will say it once. And you will answer one at a time. Oh, boy. Are you ready? Sure. More precious than gold, but cannot be bought, can never be sold, only earned if it's sought. If it is broken, it can still be mended. At birth, it can't start, nor by death is it ended. What is it? Bertina. It's, um, uh... Uh, uh, it's, um, time's up. Otis. Family. June. Faith. Cece. Memories. Bootstrap. Trust. Kiernan. Love. That is my question. Ladies and gentlemen, as she turns to the entire crowd, your hopefuls for this year's apprenticeships... And the whole crowd begins to cheer and clap. And you hear the audible of a close of a book. As um, you notice that Coriander has written everything you guys have said oh, into man. this book. Oh, yeah, I hope I hope they did. <laughs> um, uh, everyone is chap- clapping and cheering. Ard comes up on stage 
And you see in his hand, he has six bags. And he hands a bag to each and every one of you. The bag is maybe two feet long. Like a duffel? It's like a duffel. It's like a duffel bag that has a string draw at the top. Oh, cool. He gives each one of you a bag and and says, All right, here's the instructions, guys. You're going to meet tomorrow morning at the dock at sunrise. You can only pack what you can fit in this bag. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Inside, you will find money if you need to buy anything. You will also find a letter from Coriander and Mrs. Swiftwell. Okay? All right? Yep. Okay. That's the two things. That's all that's in there. Meet at dawn. And also, and he reaches into his coat and he pulls out six blue feathers. And he hands each and every one of you a blue feather. This is your ticket tomorrow morning. Lose this and you can't get on the Audrin. Okay? Okay. Yes. We'll see you tomorrow morning. And he turns around. Good luck. And walks out. And as he walks walks out, you notice that all the captains have filed off of the scaffold. You guys are out there on your own. And as they leave, there's a... <laughs> as the fireworks begin. Fireworks! And there you guys are. That was your, your choosing ceremony. Nice. Woof. Hey heroes, it's James, and welcome to the Courier's Call mid-roll. This week was actually supposed to be our last week of Courier's Call. However, when Casey was editing the file, he noticed that that would have made the last episode almost two hours long, which is way too much. So we decided to split up the last part of this series into two distinct episodes. That means next week on January 22nd, you're getting another episode of Courier's Call that will finish out this preview series. Then on December 29th, we'll return with our main Skyjacks campaign. Now, since we are talking about ending Courier's Call on this feed very soon, a lot of you might be wondering, where will I find Courier's Call next? We're going to be setting Courier's Call up with its own feed. So you won't have to worry about little ones straying into the more adult-oriented Skyjacks feed. Now, thanks to the generosity of one-shot listeners during the World Builders end-of-the-year fundraising drive, there are actually three additional episodes of Courier's Call that are coming after the one that we're posting next week. Once that series wraps up, we're going to have to look for ways to fund this series. Everything about Courier's Call costs money. The GM and performers were paid, the editor was paid, and of course we commissioned new music and art for this project. It's the sort of thing that we can only continue doing if people support it. So after Courier's Call makes the jump to its own feed, and we give you the three additional episodes of Courier's Call, which are personally funded by Pat Rothfuss, we're probably going to be looking to fund this series through some sort of crowdfunding platform. We're still kind of figuring that one out. I just want everyone to be prepared that we are probably going to ask you for money at some point in the future. Before we get back to the show, I want to take a quick moment and thank some people who have already contributed financially to the OneShot Network, our Patreon backers. 
Anton Hagerstrand. Thank you so much. Adam Navarin Everett. Thank you very much. Malcolm McDougall. Thank you. Matthew Perkins. Thank you very much. Indiana Granger. Thank you. Jack Shirai. Thank you so much. Brian Ellis. Thank you very much. Rosie Morell. Thank you so much. Charu Patel. Thank you. Jacob Bowler. Thank you very much. David Lasseret. Thank you so much. Mike and Val Perkins. Thank you both very much. Mr. Evil Doom. Thank you. Lindsay Lola Paulson. Thank you. Pateri Rin. Thank you very much. And Ryan Mayo. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks again to everyone who supports the network. It makes everything we do here possible. If you like what you hear, please head over to patreon.com slash one shot podcast and sign up to give us a small amount of money each month to support programs like this. One last thing before we get back to the episode this week, tomorrow, in fact, one shot is going to be previewing the Adventure Zone card game on our Twitch page. You can watch me and several other talented performers preview the Adventure Zone card game live on Twitch starting at 7 p.m. Central Time. That's twitch.tv slash one shot RPG. Thursday the 16th at 7 p.m. Central Time. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day. At sax.com. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky. So, what we have here now is you guys get to do, um, you get to go to the feast at the decorative gourd. I really want to see what you guys do tonight. Like, I want to know what you pack. I want to know if there's any scenes that you want with family or friends before you head on out. And once we're done with that, we will do, we'll go straight to the next morning where you guys will go through roll call to see if you made it. Okay. Yeah. So my question is, as the crowd begins to disperse and they move into tents with food and fireworks are going off and the lanterns are glowing bright as the sun sets and the moon begins to rise over Thornvale, what do you guys do? Um, I mean, I feel like the three of us reconnect, if not yeah. with like a huddle, but we have like a moment with the three oh, of absolutely. us. And I think we stick, to, stick close to each other going to dinner and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Where do you guys go? Where do you guys go to dinner? I mean, I think we have to go to the decorative gourd, don't we? For the feast, the novice feast. You can. Yeah, we can get comps too, because we know someone. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I, I think we. I think we go to the decorative gourd. What do you tell your parents? Because your parents obviously come over to talk to you after all this has happened. June. Oh man. Oh. Uh, your mother comes over. Congratulations. Thank you. Are you going to dinner? Yes. I will see you there then. Good. And she turns around and she walks away. How perfectly simple. Hey, I'm very respectful. Cece, your parents come over. <gasps> hey, Mon Pa. Your, mo- your mother's like, it- so this is what you're doing? This is what you're doing? This is-, this, is- this is it? This is what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah, this is what I'm doing. Um, that's all fine. I got. Fine. Okay, fine. And she like turns around and walks away and your dad's like... <sighs> I'm sorry, Buttercup. Uh, your mother's a little testy at the moment about all this. Um, are you sure this is what you want to do? Yeah. She'll understand um, later on. I know it's going to be okay. a little tender now. Okay. Can I get a hug? Of course. I give him like you a did, big old hug. You did great. And he gives you a big hug. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, Buttercup. Nice to see you, Mr. Whitwick. Hello, June. Um, are you going to come? Are you going to stay at the fairgrounds for the for the feast, or are you going someplace else? It's it's your night, Buttercup. You do whatever you want. I think I want to go out with my friends. Okay, okay. Just make sure you come home, and we'll pack up, and we'll do the best we can. Okay. I'll see you at home. All right, I'll, I'll work on your mother, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. 
I love you. Love you too, Dad. Karen, your mom, your mom comes over. She rushes over. She picks you up and gives you a big hug. I I think I rush over to her too. Like this is a <laughs> this is a Bollywood style moment. Oh you know? yeah. yeah. You two like, are we're both just running at each other. Yeah. <laughs> just the tightest hug. She reaches down, she lifts you up, she gives you this giant hug, and she's like, I'm so proud of you, Karen. There's like fireworks. Uh, off. It was really scary, but I did it. And I also flew today, and uh Greenhorn uh talked to me. So I've it's kind of a big day for firsts. Congratulations. and tomorrow Oh Karen, I'm so proud of you. Just so proud. Thanks. Um, are you are you okay? I'm okay. I'm gonna miss you because I'm not gonna be here, and I don't know how to deal with that yet. It's okay. It's completely okay. I'll be fine. I'm a big girl. I can take care of myself. Oh, and she God. like she like forehead touches you. Oh, oh no, <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> um, I think Kieran is still like a little bit. Not quite looking at her. Mm-hmm. I d- didn't want to surprise you, but I guess I kind of did. It's okay. Things happen. Life is full of surprises, Karen. You're going to see so many things. I'm so jealous. Um, I really do want to find Dad. I know. And you'll be very busy. But if you get a chance, we'll talk about this later, okay? We have all night. Okay. Okay? Okay. Okay. Do you want me to come with you to dinner? Um... We do whatever you want tonight. I kind of want to hang out with my friends, if that's okay. Oh, yes, yes, of course, of course. I'll come see you so that we can have dessert later. How about that? That sounds wonderful, Karen. Okay. Cool. Um, can you hold on to this? And they're going to give her their backpack. She takes it. Of course. I'll see you at home. Okay. Thanks. Uh, Then they're going to kiss their mom on the cheek and then try and find their friends. What does your mom call you? Oh, no. Monkey. Monkey. As you run, she goes, Monkey! Hmm? You're so big. You're getting smaller. And you run off. I'm going to run off. (laughs) You guys have dinner. It is a whirlwind party. We're going to go around. Each one of you, give me a little bit of a montage. We're going to montage through this this favorites dinner at the Decorative <laughs> oh, Gourd. God, favorites dinner. Go for it. What do you, let's let's start. Who's got something? I got something. Oh, oh no, go ahead. You have did, we, did we make a pact that we were all going to try each other's favorite food? Yes. Yes. That's okay. Like. So, <laughs> Cece is trying everyone's favorite food, and she's totally into her two friends, but she's very judgmental about everyone else's favorite food. Like all the other kids, like Otis and all got this is the exact quote. Otis and that boots kid, I don't know. Yo, their food is not it at all. <laughs> she's like, you call this your this is their favorite? Are you kidding? This is gross. And like just talking so much smack about everyone's favorite food. But so many, so much praise for the food of her pals. <laughs> okay, so here, here's mine. Here's mine, guys. Are you ready? And June, like, scoops stuff onto your plates. Uh, there's a scoop of, like, really thick, cheesy mac and cheese with, like, spiraled pasta oh. noodles in it. Like, really, really thick and creamy, cheesy mac and cheese. Um, and then the other scoop is, like, uh, sweet potato casserole with like the crispy brown sugar crunchy topping and like the oh, the man. smooth uh, like mashed potato quality of the of the the yams the sweet potatoes and she scoops them both onto both of your plates and goes all right now you have to like mix them wait what you just Okay, trust me. If you want, you can take a bite of each one first, but then just like let them become one on the plate. Uh, Kieran is a hundred percent trusting their friend, <laughs> and and mixes it instantly. Doesn't even like taste it independently. June is and like then, shoveling it into her mouth too. They take a bite and like their eyes dilate. <laughs> They're just like, 
Oh my god, this is so good. Like it shouldn't be good, but it is. But it's so good. Of course. Whoa. Pow. You guys are in the decorative gourd, right? Yes. What does it look like? We haven't been here before. The decorative gourd yeah. is decorative gourd. <laughs> it's the it's the only inn in town, and it's it looks like a grand old like kind of wood cabin with different like levels to it. Like it from certain angles, it looks like a multi-leveled cabin. From other angles, it looks like a barn. It's very wood paneled and rustic. Um, with like a warm hearthy glow coming from all the windows on the inside it's all you know like wood paneling and beams and uh, roaring fireplaces and long tables all of the wood is mismatched um, but it all has this like warm inviting comfortable vibe Um, there's like there's like antlers and stuff on the the walls and like old folk art paintings from Thornvale residents and like it feels very homey and welcoming. Um, the main floor is the kitchen and the bar and the food hall, uh, which is big enough miraculously to hold everybody in it. Um, and then the upstairs. There are floors, other places that are ha- that are having the food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinner. But but this it's a surprisingly large. Yeah, yeah, it's very large food yeah. hall. Um, and then the upstairs floors are like the rooms for rent and all of that. And then way up in the attic is uh, are a couple of the family rooms, including June's. Cool. So that was her little montage. What's your montage, Karen? I think Karen's favorite food. I'm going to start with that. Is is this pumpkin curry? It's like it's got big soft chunks of like real orange pumpkin and and, like the kind of soft that you like get when you put it in a pumpkin pie but it's not sweet you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's like you can squish it up against the roof of your mouth um and like it's it's piping hot and it's got like crushed cashews in it and it's got little bits of broccoli and potato and I think there's also like rice off to the side that Kieran just like smothers with this thing. <laughs> yeah. And it's spicy. Like it's it's like very spicy. And I think Kieran loves that. <laughs> I want to know how CC and June react to it. June has never tasted this many spices like in this concentration before. Uh-huh. But I think because it has that pumpkin base, she's super into it. And, like, even though she's got tears running down her cheeks and, like, snot coming out of her nose because it's so hot to her, she's like, I can't stop. It's so good. I can't stop It's really good. It's so good. You have to eat it when it's hot because that's when it's the best. Cece can't handle the heat, like, at all. Like, (laughs) at all, at all but takes as many bites as she can while like being polite and is like, this is delicious. I see this. I taste it. However, (laughs) I cannot continue to consume this or else I am going to go up in flames. (laughs) She says all that at the table. Yeah, absolutely. She's like, like, she takes one bite and is like, I will be back in 20 minutes. Um, (laughs) Please do not feel disrespected. This is delicious. However, I must go. That's okay. Do you want me to finish it for you? Yes, please. Okay. And then Kira just takes the whole thing. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's so good. How about you, Cece? What's what's your little montage you add into this? Uh, my favorite thing is just this big pile of fried meat pies, like little empanadas. And they're all full of like a mysterious, like, I don't tell anyone what's in them. Except it's like, Ooh. I ask everyone their allergies first. But... <laughs> um, <laughs> But, like, some are, like, desserts. Some are savory. And you never know what's going to be in each one. And as someone's biting into them, she's just staring at you from across the table with this very stern face of, like, you. These are the birdie bots, every flavored beans, but they're empanadas. Yeah, you, oh, my God. You better like yes. mystery panadas. Yeah. Cece's really intense. Like, if you don't make a face of approval, you're going to catch so much heat. <laughs> so, like, after every bite, good, right? Good, right? You like it? So good. <laughs> That's right. It's really good. good. These are really good. That's right. It's really good. It's really good. Thank you. <laughs> we get a shot around the room. I know. I know. Thank yeah, thank you. Good. I'm glad you enjoy I them. I am aware. I'm glad you enjoy them. <laughs> Great. <laughs> 
We get this shot around the room of all of you guys eating. We see the other candidates also eating as well. We see people drinking cider and just having a great, great time. It's a room full of warmth and laughter and noise of people talking. And it goes on into the night further and further. Until finally, people begin to go home. Singing way, hey, ho. I've bargained with madmen who claim to be kings. Singing way, hey, ho. And I've seen the destruction their tempers can bring. Singing way, hey, ho. I've ridden the winds over mountain and plain. Singing way, hey, ho. Just to circle the coast and curse the mariner's name. Singing way, hey, ho. My father, he told me to never deceive. Be a voice to the hopeless and help those in need. And to ever be thankful for what you've received. Singing way, hey, ho. Singing way, hey, ho. Skyjack's Courier's Call is a one-shot network production. Your game master was Drew Merzieski, who can be found on Twitter at Worlds to Forge. June Hemnell was played by Allie Grauer, who can be found on Twitter at Dreams to Become. Kieran Rao was played by Palomi Pertap, who can be found on Twitter at Palomi SP. That's P-A-U-L-O-M-I-S-P. Cecilia Whitwick was played by Aaron Catano Saez, who can be found on Twitter at Aaron Catano Saez. That's A-A-R-O-N-C-A-T-N-O-S-A-E-Z. You can also find Aaron on his other podcast, All My Fantasy Children. This episode was edited by Casey Tony. You can listen to Casey on his own podcast, Neo Scum, which is extremely not kids-friendly, and hear his editing work on Campaign Skyjacks Prime, which is also not really kids-friendly. Uh, but good for 14 and up, I'd say, probably. The original soundtrack for this program was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott, who can be found on Twitter at Arnie Parrott, A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. The character art for Campaign Courier's Call was created by Jess Kuczynski, who could be found on Twitter at AngryArtist113. If you're looking for more updates about Courier's Call and want to follow it when it gets its own feed, be sure to follow it on Twitter at CourierCall. Remember... There are no kings. Take flight, heroes.